In today's gospel, we see a perfect model of what is known as the Matthean secret. Many times after Christ performs miracles in the gospel of Matthew, he says to those that the miracles were performed to, don't tell anybody about this. But the disciples behave much like we as children when our parents tell us, don't do that again. They go and tell everybody about it, which is great when we look at what it means to be a witness for the faith. How much better would our church be, the church universal, if we were able to witness to the beauty of God in our lives? As Catholics, when we hear the word witness, we're like, nope, red flag. We aren't Baptist. We aren't Protestant. We aren't Lutheran. We are Catholics. We don't talk about our faith. We just talk about Catholic guilt. Because our moms bestowed it upon us. That's all we can talk about. How we're guilty, guilty, guilty. We're sinners. We're going to hell. That's all we can talk about. Really? And we wonder why so many young people struggle to listen to the Word of God. Because we don't evangelize well. We don't talk about how God has worked miraculous things in our lives. And so ironically, we need to be more like the disciples and disobey when we are told, don't talk about the good things. But talk about the good things of life. Look at this image that we see in the gospel today where Peter, James, and John are on this mountain and Jesus is in his transfigured, perfect body. They witness the beatific vision. That vision that every saint, every Jew had looked forward to. These three apostles were able to witness without death. So it's no surprise then that Peter, when he sees Christ in his glorified body, and he sees the law and the prophets in Moses and Elijah present there amongst them, it's no wonder then that he says to Jesus, let us build three tents. Because what he's saying at that moment is, we don't want to go back down the mountain. We want to stay here in the glory of God in heaven, in the presence of the beatific vision, and never go back. And then this voice comes from the clouds, very reminiscent of the same voice coming from the clouds at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. And it says, Behold, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. They fall prostrate. The same action that the priest, deacon, and servers do on the Good Friday service as we come into the church and we lay prostrate before the altar. The apostles laid prostrate before the presence of God, hiding their faces, lest they die because of the beatific vision and the beauty before them. But the Lord does something that He does a lot in today's gospel. He goes to them, touches them on the shoulder, and says, be not afraid. Be not afraid. How many times in our lives are our actions led by fear? Oh, Father, 
I can't get up and give my witness because I'm afraid of what someone's going to say. I'm afraid of witnessing to God because if I do, I may lose my job. My friends may look at me weirdly. They may cast me out. These fears that we have many times in our lives keep us from listening to the words of God. Pray always when necessary, use words. How do our lives truly, as Mary mentions in the Magnificat, magnify the Lord? Do they show the love of God? Or do instead they just kind of show a reflection that's reminiscent of the world around us? Are we in the world or are we of the world? very interesting when we talk about mountaintop experiences, that when we have those mountaintop experiences, we have the same response as Peter. Let us build three tents. Let us stay in this moment forever. We don't want to come back down the mountain because we're afraid that we may forget this experience. We're afraid of the next time we may have this experience. We're afraid we may not have another mountaintop experience. We're afraid of the unknown. But the Lord says the same thing to us when we look at our unforeseeable future. He says, be not afraid. He will never abandon us. He will never leave us by ourselves. And he will always lead us and guide us down the path of righteousness. But will we follow? Will we listen? Or will we be disobedient in our faith? And instead of being led by God and by love, we are led astray by sin and disobedience. I'll never forget my sophomore year in high school, we did something called a life map, where we were given this big piece of butcher paper, each of us was, and we were said, put the name of God at the top and start your line in the middle at your birth. And talk about the moments in your life where you felt close to God and furthest away from God. And so I'd go on a retreat, and i feel really close to God. And I'd come back, and if I was lucky, I'd plateau out. Many times I, I fall into a pretty deep valley because I fall into that depression of, man, I want, I'm looking forward to that n- other mountaintop experience. I don't want to come back down the mountain. I want to stay up there. I want to have all of those good feelings. We hear about this many times in other churches where we are spiritual but not religious. We have these great spiritual experiences, but they're just a flash in the pan faith. Instead of going deeper and being planted in the soil of our hearts, we blossom and then we wilt. Because we aren't allowing ourselves to see that the Lord is not only with us during those mountaintop experiences, but also in our plateaus. And also in our valleys. Do you ever find that it's easier to climb up a mountain than it is to come back down a mountain in life? Never forget that same year in high school, I went on a Catholic heart work camp to Denver, Colorado. And we get a free day at the end of our work camp, kind of like we did here a couple years ago when we hosted our own work camp. And so what is it to do in Colorado? We're going to go climb mountains. And I thought, I'm a student of Bishop McGinnis, and we've got our patron Saint Pier Giorgio Fassati, and his saying was always towards the top. So you know what? We're going towards the top. So we started at the top of the mountain, and I got about 50 feet from the incline, and I was frozen in fear. 
because I didn't have this same stature back then. Take about a foot off and about 100 pounds away. I was smaller than any and all of them. And I'm stuck on this mountain where I have loose rock under my feet. And I began to stumble. And I became afraid. And I was literally paralyzed with fear for about an hour and a half. Praise God, two of the youth leaders that were with us are also both scoutmasters. So what did they do? They went to the base of the hill and began to climb up the mountain because it's easier to go up than it is to come down. But also, luckily, I had friends that were tall and lanky. They were able to get me out of this situation I had put myself into and literally lead me by the hand because I couldn't reach the rocks that were crumbling around me to get back up the mountain. After about two hours, we had pledged Father Danny can never go rock climbing ever again because we know what happens. He gets stuck and he freezes up. It's ironic that that's one of the things that we do many times in our lives is we're seeking that next peak of faith. But I think it's an, also a really good analogy in our lives. Going up when we can see the footholds, we can see the handholds, it makes it easier for us to climb that mountain because we know it's going to be better than what we're in right now. But when we're going down into the unknown and the gravel is loose, our worst fears become in front of our eyes. I'm going to fall. No one's going to be there to catch me. I don't know what's going to happen. When am I going to land? It's like worse than any of those dreams where you're falling out of a building. You guys have those before? And you wake up. Do that awake. No. <laughs> But that's many times what coming down from those mountaintop experiences feel like we have that same fear in our hearts. But the Lord says the same thing to us. Be not afraid. One of the great psalms that we get from David the psalmist is Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They bring me courage and comfort. It's a reminder to us that even if we have gone into those valleys, to not be afraid, to rely on the Lord to give us what we need when we have nothing left to give. To really seek to be more than we can be by ourselves. That's why during Lent, it's such a great practice for us to walk these stations of the cross to see in the life of Christ a model for our own faith journey. Some days, we're getting beaten, battered, and bruised, and mocked. Some days, we fall under the burden of our cross. Sometimes, we're able to get back up of our own accord. Other days, we need Simon or a Simon-like figure in our lives to help bear the weight of our cross because we have nothing left to give. Many times we want to be earlier in, in, those, in those stations than latter. We don't want to have to rely on other people. We want to be able to just do it ourselves. I'll never forget one of the most humbling moments in my dad's life was after we lost our house to the tornado back May 20th, 2013. 
Dad was always the first one on the spot when anybody needed anything. He would give, if there were kids that got kicked out of their house, we had like four or five different people live with us throughout my adolescence because dad always wanted to be there for everyone else. But for the first time that he could remember, he didn't know where to go. He was lacking. Everything that he knew as comfort and surety and safety, the house, the community, the environment, was wiped off the map in one evening. That's why I contacted many of you guys last Sunday to make sure you were okay. Because for me, anytime storms happen, I'm reminded of that night. And so that next week, as people were coming to try and help my dad, he said, no, I've got this, I've got this. I said, no, dad, you don't. Sit down, shut up, and listen. It was, it was really awesome as a kid to be able to tell my dad to shut up. For a good reason. Not out of spite, not of, out of anger but out of a lesson, to say, sit. The lesson that you have always taught us is to be the hands and feet of Christ. But you must, though, allow others to be the hands and feet of Christ to you as well. It's easier to give than it is to receive assistance. How many times do we feel humiliated, humbled in a bad way, because we have to ask for help. But in humility, when we don't take care of ourselves and aren't able to, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Not for a handout, but for a hand up to help us bear the weight of our crosses. And that's what we are as brothers and sisters in Christ for each other. The ability to help each other bear the weight of their cross. Another reminder to us to not be afraid because we are not alone. But many times we are gripped by fear and we are afraid of the unknown, afraid of asking for help because of how others will look at us, how others may treat us. But the Lord says the same thing to us be not afraid. How many times when we wake up in the morning do we just not have the energy to do anything? We don't really know what to do with the day, so we begin to waste the day. There was a video I saw this last week, I think that really kind of hammers the nail in on the importance of making good of every day. He said to an audience about the size of the congregation today, if I were to offer you a million dollars today, who would take it? Every hand goes up. Okay. If I were to offer you $15 million today, if you didn't wake up tomorrow, who would take it? Not one hand goes up. He said, no, I don't think you heard me. I'm going to give you $15 million, but you can't wake up tomorrow. Not one hand went up. And he said, so what you're telling me is you waking up tomorrow is worth more to you in your life than $15 million. Well, yeah. Then why are you going to waste tomorrow? Ooh, that's a good one. How many times when we wake up in the morning, do we not put to good use the gifts of faith, the gifts from God, the gifts of life that he has given us to be nurtured, and to share with each other. 
But instead, we go through the day wasting time, as if time could truly be wasted. It can be. It's a gift. Time is a gift given to us by God to be nurtured, to be nourished, to be utilized. But many times, we don't put it to good use. I mean, think about our terminology when we even speak about the word time. Time is money. But at the same time, we won't take money over time, ironically, if it means our ultimate end. So how is the Lord calling you to spend your $15 million today? Now, he didn't give you $15 million. I understand that. Follow me when you can follow me. (laughs) But he has given you a lot of gifts today. He's given you a lot of talents. He's given you a lot of opportunities today to be spent today. So that if and when you wake up tomorrow, you can be a better person than you are at this moment right now. How do we grow in our faith little by little? It means taking chances. It means taking those opportunities. It means not allowing our fear to paralyze us. So my brothers and sisters, let us learn from the lesson of the gospel. Let us not allow fear to dictate our actions and our lives, but instead to rely and rest in peace with the Lord. To allow his words to give us what we need. And when the words don't work, to rely on his hands and feet that surround us. That when we're called to be his hands and his feet, to embrace that opportunity to bear the weight not only of our own cross, but of the crosses that are so lofty and so weighty that surround us and our fellow brothers and sisters. It's one of the great opportunities of the season of Lent is to reflect on how we are embracing the love of God and where we struggle and where we fail to invite the Lord in, to be intentional about that relationship, to not allow fear to dictate our lives. So my brothers and sisters, whether you are at a peak, whether you are at a valley, whether you are at a plateau in your faith life today, I say to you the same words that Christ said to the apostles, be not afraid, get to work.